this morning, if you will, and turn to Hebrews chapter number 12. Now, I know that we are behind time today. We're, we're, uh, we're, a, little, uh, we're a little past where we normally are. And so, uh, listen, we're not going to keep you along today. But I do, want you to, I do want you to do your best to try to forget about the time just for, just for a little bit. And I promise, you we, uh, I promise you that we will get you out. Okay, all right. Uh, we will get, no, we'll get you out not much later than we normally do. We'll, we, can preach this, we can preach this fast. Uh, and so I want to, you know, the flesh, I want to preach to the moms today. In fact, I found myself sort of second-guessing myself this morning. And I was in the study early, early this morning, and I thought, Lord, you sure about this? You know, I thought maybe. And so I even, you know, oh, ye have a little faith. So I even went back and I started looking through some Mother's Day outlines and, and I thought, maybe I ought to preach to the moms today. And that's what you do on Mother's Day, you know. But that was, not the, that was just not the direction the Lord let me go today. And so we're going to just try to, we're just going to try to follow the Lord's will today. And so uh, I want you to take your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 12. And I really do think I can preach this rather quickly today. I want you to really hang in there with me. Let's all stand when you find your place. If you're able to stand, that is Hebrews chapter 12. And we're just going to read the first three verses and then I'll pray and I'll preach just for a few moments today. And we're just going to trust the Lord to bring the uh, increase. Somebody needs this message today. I believe that. I do believe that. While, the, while they were singing that last song, I was just thinking, I was thinking of some folks that, that really need this message today. There's, there's somebody here, just as sure as we're here, there's somebody here that's just, they feel like they're not going to make it another week. And it's not an accident or a coincidence that you are where you are. My God is a God of providence. And I believe this, I believe that God has placed you here on purpose. And God has a word, God has a word just for you today. And so we want to we uh, see if God could help us today, and I believe he will. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 1, the writer of Hebrews says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. You get discouraged. Get wearied and faint. It's talking about quitting. It's talking about falling by the wayside. It's talking about giving in to the struggles. And boy, life's, there's no lack of struggles in this life. Everybody's got them. We're a few days in full of trouble, the Bible, the Bible says. And so we've all got, we've all got some problems. And I want to I talk to you just a few minutes this morning on that subject, the finisher of our faith, the finisher of our faith. You may be seated this morning, and we're going to pray, and I want you to pray while I'm praying, if you will, and we're going to ask the Lord to, to speak to our hearts today. Father, we thank you for the privilege to be here today. What a day. Lord, what a morning it's been. God, wonderful fellowship. There's a great spirit here today. Lord, we thank you for these young men that have ministered to us, and, 
And Lord, this place has been filled with music and, and beautiful singing. Thank you for the choir specials. Thank you for the special numbers, the congregationals. Lord, we just appreciate everything you've done today. And now, Lord, as we take just a few moments and close this service with some preaching, Lord, I pray that you would bless the preaching of the Word of God. Lord, the music is so important. The fellowship is so vital. Lord, everything that we've done today has been, been so important, but Lord, you told us in your Word that you've chose the foolishness of preaching. Lord, that's what you said. Those were your words, that you chose the foolishness of preaching. And so, Lord, this does seem foolish to the world, but this is what you chose. And so, Lord, right now, I yield myself to you. I ask you to forgive me of anything in my life that could even remotely begin to be a hindrance. And I pray that you'd fill me with the Spirit of God now. Oh, God, I pray you would. I need you so bad today. I need your touch. God, we need your breath today. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Lord, it could be there's somebody that's sitting right here in this crowd that's lost. They don't know for sure they're gonna spend eternity in heaven. I pray today would be the day that they would come to know Christ as Savior. Father, it's very probable there's someone here today under the sound of my voice or someone watching by way of the live stream and Lord, they are discouraged. They are discouraged and overwhelmed. And God, today I pray that this would be a great time of encouragement. So Lord, touch us now, I pray. Help us please, Father. And we pray that the Savior would receive all the glory and the praise from all that's done. We love you, we need you. In Jesus' name we pray, and for his sake, and all God's people said, amen. We often associate the verses that we just read in Hebrews chapter 12 with salvation. The Bible says that he is the author and the finisher of our faith. And although I believe that salvation is definitely a part, I believe there's a much deeper meaning here than just salvation. Now, salvation's important, but I believe there's something else here that the Bible is trying to, the Bible's trying to teach us here. Our Bible tells us that Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith, of our faith. The word faith there means moral conviction of religious truth. But if you study that out in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number two, it also means this, conviction of the truth of anything. Moral conviction is what the Bible's talking about there. I'm gonna be honest with you, I really believe that very few Christians have real moral conviction today. That thing that catapults them, that thing that motivates them, that thing that, that, that lifts them out of mediocrity and normal and average, and that's where, that's where most, uh, well, okay, let me back up. That's where a lot, that's where a lot of Christians hang out. Just in that average tier that, that land of mediocrity, just sort of barely living out their Christian faith. I wrote this down in my outline, sort of Christian in name only. I read the story about the little girl, uh, just a little girl, and she, she fell out of bed and, and she was crying and her mother came and her, her, mom, her mom said, honey, said, uh, she said, what do you think made you fall out of the bed? And she said this, she said, mommy, she said, I think I stayed too close to the place where I got in. 
You know what I think a lot of problem, uh, a lot of the problem is with Christian folks today? We're staying way too close to the place we got in. Right, right. I mean, we got saved, but that's about it. I mean, we, we feel like, you know, we, we've got our insurance policy. We feel like, you know, I'm good for heaven. And so that's all there is to it. And, and uh, my dear friend, I just want to tell you, that is not moral conviction. That, that's not really what the Bible talks about when the Bible's talking about faith. That's really not what the Bible is talking about. Most Christians are sort of a spectator of the race, but definitely not a participator in the race. And so here in Hebrews chapter 12, the Bible is challenging you and the Bible is challenging me to get with it. That's what, that's what the Bible is telling us to do. It's, it's, it's encouraging us to, to join the race, to not just... Uh, you know, not just sit out there in the pew, not just be a Christian in name only, but, but it's encouraging us to, to, to actively live out our Christian life, to, to launch out into the deep. To, uh, we're, we're, not to just, uh, we're not to just sit. Did you know that God never saved you to sit? Amen. Did you know anything, anything, you check this out, anything that has moving parts, anything that's been created with moving parts, it never does well for it just to sit. You take a good car, good motor, send it out here in the field, don't crank it up for several years. It's not good for it. That motor is made to be running. Those wheels are made to be moving. And so it is with the child of God. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number one, and let us run. And let us run, not walk, not sit, but let us run, let us run. That's the idea of activity. That's the idea of energy. It's the idea of being energetic, of not just, not just sitting, sitting idly by and letting everyone else do it. But it, it says, let us run, let us run with patience the race that is set before us. I love Hebrews chapter 12. And within these three verses that we read today, I believe that we find some incredible, incredible pointers on running the Christian race faithfully. And I'm going to give a few of them to you today if I, if I could. What are they, preacher? What are some things that will, that will help me to, to get in the race and not just be a spectator, but be a participator and, and not just sit idly by the side and, and be on the sideline? But, but preacher, what are some things that will, will help me? You know, maybe there's somebody here today and, and you say, Pastor, I used to be in the race, but I, but I got out. I, I got my eyes on somebody else or I got discouraged or something happened and I, I, I got a little bitter or I got a little indifferent or I got a little sideways with the Lord and I, and, I, and, and I'm not in the race anymore. Okay, I want to try to help you today. And I, I believe the Lord wants to try to help you today. And so what are some things we find here in these three verses that will help us in running the Christian race faithfully? I love this. Number one is this. Be careful who you see. Now, look, at, look in your Bibles, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number one. I love it. Look at the first two words. The Bible says, wherefore sing. Wherefore sing, we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every way and the sin which does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Ask you a question. Who is it that you're watching today? Who is it that you have in your eyes? Whose example are you following today in your Christian walk? And here's the thing. It could be you're not following anybody's Christian example. And that might be why you're just a spectator in the race and you're not a participator in the race and you don't have any plans of being a winner in the race. Listen, I don't want to just run it. I want to win. Right. Amen. 
I don't know if you've noticed this, but we're, not, we're, we're really not concerned about average at Calvary Baptist Church or mediocre or normal or just natural or getting by. Uh, if that's the kind of church that people are interested in, they'll have to go somewhere else because that's not the direction we're going at Calvary Baptist Church. We want the abnormal. We want the supernatural. We want the above average. Why? Because we know that we serve a God who's able to give us that. It's important, though, if we're gonna if we're gonna run the Christian uh, race faithfully, it's important that we be careful who we see. Now, look at that verse again, Hebrews twelve verse one. The Bible says, "Wherefore seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses." Now, I think there's a lot of confusion concerning that verse. So, can I use a few guys? David, can I use you just a minute? Uh, Brother David, Mike, can I use you again today? And uh, Rick, can I use you? Uh, and come on up here, if you will. Abel, can I pick on you again? Come on up here, if you will. Brother Mike, can I use you this morning? Come on up here, if you will. David, Mike, and Brother Mike, and Brother Rick, if you guys will get, get right up here on the platform for me, if you will. Brother Rick, yeah, right up here. And Brother Mike, not you. You stay down here, brother. All right, come here, Brother Mike. You get up here, if you will. And just shoulder to shoulder. Come here, buddy. Let me tell you what most people believe Hebrews chapter 12 is talking about. Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. So this is what most people believe. They believe here's the, here's the Christian, and he's running, he's running his Christian life. He's running the Christian race. And so here he is running the Christian race. And most people believe that verse is saying this, that we have a cloud of witnesses in heaven who are watching us run our Christian life. In fact, I've had people say that. They said, Preacher, do you believe that, that people in heaven can see us? Is that what Hebrews chapter 12 is talking about? Now, now think about it. So that's what most people believe, that as we are racing our Christian life, there is a cloud of witnesses that are watching us run our Christian life. I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't think there's anything that would be more depressing to Paul and Timothy and Moses, and Joshua, and Elijah, I don't think there would be anything more depressing than for these witnesses to be watching us run our mamby-pamby Christian life. And I'm not trying to be mean this morning. I, don't, I, I want to be sure I try to preach this in love. But honestly, and you know I'm telling you the truth, church, it don't take anything to get people out anymore. It doesn't take a major battle, it just takes one word. It, it doesn't take a major hurricane, it just takes one little storm. And we've got Christians that are falling out like flies by the wayside and, and uh, not reading their Bibles, not going to church, not plugged into the Lord, not spending time in prayer, not concerned about winning a soul to Christ, not laying any rewards up in heaven. And yet we want to believe that, that Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 is talking about there's a cloud of witnesses that are watching us as we run our Christian race. Are you kidding me? I think the Lord would have to hand out nausea pills in heaven if that were the case. I don't think that's what that, Bible, what that verse is talking about. The Bible says, wherefore seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, they're not, listen to this, they're not watching us. They are witnessing to us. 
There is a cloud in heaven that as we are running our Christian race, there's this crowd up here that's saying, you go, Abel. You go, son. You go. Hang in there. You can do it. There's a, a cloud of witnesses in heaven that are saying, Jesus is worthy. He's worthy of your service. Hey, son, I know you've got a battle right now. I know you're, I know you're in a trial right now, but you keep on going. You keep on going. You keep on going. Why? Because we did it. You see, we know what battles are all about. We didn't live in this, this uh, 21st century church, this uh, church that's lukewarm and half in and half out. We lived in a day when we gave our own life for the cause of the, uh, of the gospel. And here's this group of witnesses that are saying, hey, son, keep it up. Hang in there. Don't you give up. You keep on going. You keep Keep on going. And this, this guy down here, he says, yeah, but I'm, I'm discouraged. But here's these cloud of witnesses that say, I know you're discouraged, but keep on going. Keep on going. Don't you stop. Don't you stop going to church. Don't you start reading your Bible. Don't you stop praying. Why? Because we've done it. We know how it is. We've been there. We gave our life for Jesus. And by the way, it is well worth it. Thank you, fellas. Thank you, fellas. I appreciate that. Thank you, guys. Now, I want you, you're in your Bibles, Hebrews chapter 12. I want you to turn back to Hebrews chapter 11. You say, preacher, how do you, uh, where do you get that from? Well, if you go back one chapter, you'll find out that Hebrews chapter 11 tells us who those witnesses are. And it begins to unveil all those witnesses that are witnessing to us in Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 11. For instance, Abraham. The Bible mentions Abraham. Now, Abraham, you say, Pastor, what's so big about Abraham? Abraham had a son. His name was Isaac. Abraham loved his boy. Can you see Abraham as he takes little Ike out, you know, and he teaches him how to shoot a bow and he teaches him how to use a sling and he teaches him how to use a, a sword and he teaches him how to dress a deer and, 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 and Abraham pours into the life of Isaac and all of a sudden one day God comes to Abraham and says, Abraham, I want you to sacrifice your only son. By the way, you read that passage, you know what you won't find? You won't find an argument. You won't find Abraham saying, but God, but God, but God, but Lord. You never find that. You know what the Bible tells us? That when God came to Abraham and said, Abraham, I want you to sacrifice your son. Immediately, the Bible says that Abraham rose up and he took Isaac up the mountain. And, and, and remember the story? Isaac said, Lord, uh, said, Dad said, here's the wood and, and, uh, and, and here's the fire, but where's the sacrifice? And, and Abraham said, son, God will provide himself a sacrifice. Now, wait a minute now. Those are those witnesses that are telling you and me that we ought to keep on going on and keep on persevering and keep on serving the Lord. How about, how about Joseph? is mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11. Joseph, who was Joseph? Joseph was a man that was falsely accused. Remember? By Potiphar's wife. And the Bible says they put him in prison and he was in prison for years and everybody forgot about him. Everybody but God. And Joseph, even though he was in prison, even though he was lied about, he was abused, he was mistreated, and yet Joseph stayed faithful to the cause of the Lord. That's one of those witnesses that are telling you, you got to keep going. You got to keep going. Somebody says, well, I got a cold. And, and, and Joseph says, you serious? A cold? Well, my, my tire was flat. I don't think I'll serve the Lord anymore. And Joseph says, are you serious? You're not going to serve the Lord because you had a flat tire? 
You're not going to serve the Lord because you had a leaky roof. And Joseph said, man, I was in prison for years, forgotten about, except by God. And, and God brought me through. How about Moses? Hebrews 11 mentions that Moses, Moses chose to suffer with the people of God rather than live in the palaces of Pharaoh. How about David? David, as a youth, was willing to fight a mighty giant. Now, what are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying these people were witnesses to us. It was tough, but we stayed with it. That's what the Bible's saying there. Man, wherefore seeing, wherefore seeing, we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. In other words, there was a group of people that stayed with the stuff and stayed faithful. And the Bible says that you and I ought to make sure those are the people that we see. In fact, Hebrews 11, are you there? Would you look with me please at verse number 32? I want you to notice what your Christian forefathers went through. And let it challenge you this morning. Hebrews 11, verse number 32, the Bible says, And what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah, of David also and Samuel and of the prophets. Watch this. Verse 33. Who through faith subdued kingdoms wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quits the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection, and others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth. You say, Pastor, why do you stay with it after 30 years at one church? Can I tell you why? Because I have a cloud of witnesses that has went before me and they're rooting me on and they're rooting you on and they're telling you even though the times are tough, keep on going and keep on preaching and keep on singing and keep on reading your Bible and keep on winning souls to Jesus Christ. There is a group of witnesses that you and I ought to see. And by the way, church, that's exactly why we ought to be in the house of God every single time the doors swing open. Yes. Hebrews 10, 25, the Bible says, and not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. But the Bible talks about we're to exhort one another. You, you say, pastor, other than you being the pastor here, why do you come to Calvary? Can I tell you why? Because, man, I get inspired when I come to this place. Yes, sir. Inspired. Sometimes preachers get discouraged. Right. Now, I know everybody thinks that preachers just bound out of bed every morning. And like, ah, you know, that's not the case. But I'll tell you why I come here, because I get inspired. Yes. Amen. Man, I walk into this place, and I see people who are battling cancer. And they, yet they got a shout on their lips. Y'all with me this morning? I walk into this place, and I see people who have lost their spouses. I still have mine, thank the Lord. By the way, you better love them while you can because we don't know what tomorrow's gonna hold. But I see people coming here in this place who have lost a husband or lost a wife 
and, and no doubt their heart was ripped out of their chest. And yet I see them walking here with a smile. I see them walking here with a handshake. I, I see them raise a hand while the song's going on. And I'm going to tell you what, while I'm watching those witnesses, you know what is happening? It's inspiring me. It's encouraging me. By the way, that's why it's so important that you and I go to the right kind of church. Don't you go to some dead, dried up thing on the end of the road just because your Aunt Susie is buried in the cemetery. Don't you do that. Hey, if you have to, dig up Aunt Susie and move her somewhere else. But don't you stay in that dead church. Why? Because you need inspiration just like I need inspiration. What's going to help us to run that race? The Bible says sing. Wherefore sing, wherefore sing. Oh, this is so so much I can say, and I don't have the time to say it. I want you to understand. I want you to understand something. And I wrote this down. I didn't have this in there before this morning, but I wrote this down this morning when I was just meeting with the Lord. The church. Now now you're gonna have to take this right. The church doesn't need you near as bad as you need right. the church. So someone says, well, preacher, I know why you're preaching that because you want a bigger tithe. Let me tell you something, church. I don't know if y'all know this or not. Pastors don't work on commission. So if we have 10,000 next Sunday, my salary's the same. I don't make one penny more because the crowd is bigger or the crowd is smaller. And so I want you to understand, and, I, and please take this in love today, but I want you to understand that with you or without you or without me, this church is going to make it. It's going to make it. You see, I need the church a lot worse than the church needs me. Because when I come here, I'm encouraged, I'm inspired, I'm motivated by those I see. Number one, be careful who you see. We got to hurry. Number two, Be cautious about your sin. Now look at Hebrews 12, verse number one. The Bible says, wherefore sing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Look what he says here. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. Did you know this morning, church, that sin robs you of your faith? I don't mean it makes you lose your salvation, but I do mean this. It robs you of that moral conviction. You say, Pastor, why is it that some folks are just, man, they're like a bulldog, a hood of a bone, and that's how they serve the Lord. And yet, I have no passion. I have no fire. Sometimes it's because of sin. Sin robs you of your faith. Sin strips you of your moral conviction Sin diminishes your assurance. But let me tell you something else. Sin also serves as a weight. It serves as a weight, and it keeps you from living out your faith. It keeps you from running the Christian race like you're supposed to. Now, I'm not a NASCAR. I'm not a NASCAR fan. But we have NASCAR fans in this audience. And so they could could explain this a whole lot more to you Uh, a lot better to you than I could. But if you're into NASCAR, one of the things that you 
learn about NASCAR is that those cars that are on that racetrack, there is nothing, now I want to emphasize that word, there is nothing on that car that's not supposed to be there. Nothing. In fact, that car has been stripped down to what we would call the bare necessities. If you were to look in those cars, there's no carpet. There's no carpet pad. If you were to look in those cars today, there's not you know, uh, enough room for a family of six in there. There's one seat. How about this? The headlights are not real. The taillights are not real. The grill is not real. And I didn't even know this for the longest time. It's all decals. Now, it looks real, but actually what's going on is it is a, it is a very lightweight decal that they apply to the car. In fact, this is what I found out through study that those stock cars weigh about 3,450 pounds, including the driver. And that's it. Now, you say, Pastor, why? I'll tell you why. So they can race better. Right. Y'all with me? Why are they so light? So they can race better. So they can get to the destination quicker. So, so they can win the prize, so they can win the trophy, so they can win the purse. And this is what the Bible is telling us here in Hebrews chapter 12, that we're in a race. We're in this Christian race. But the more sin that we heap on us, it's going to weight us down and it's going to keep us from running the race like we ought to run the race. I read a story this week about some fellows who went down to a, a, a local track. They, they heard that there was a famous runner coming, and he was going to run the track. And so they, uh, he was like an Olympian or something, and so they, they went down together, and they were going to watch him run. Well, the, the, they went down, and sure enough, the, here he was, and he began to run the track. And the first time, he ran the track with his tennis shoes. But then he stopped and came over to the sidelines, and he began to take off his tennis shoes, and he began to put on some running shoes. And one of the men saw that and they said, hey, said, why, what are you doing that? Why are you, why are you changing shoes? He took one of his tennis shoes and he tossed it to him. And then he took one of his running shoes and he tossed it to him. And he said this, there's not much of a difference between the weight, but enough to keep me from winning the race. You know, instead of us asking, well, I don't know, what, what's wrong with my sin, preacher? Maybe what we ought to be asking is, is it going to keep me from running the race? Is it going to hold me back? Is it going to hold me down? Is it going to keep me from winning the prize? Is it going to keep me from, from pleasing the Lord? And so, number one, be careful who you see. Number two, be cautious about your sin. Well, I couldn't wait till I got to this last point. Number three, be considered of your Savior. Now look back at your Bibles, Hebrews chapter 12, verse number two. Hebrews 12, verse two, the Bible says, looking unto who? <laughs> looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Look at verse three. The Bible says, for consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. 
I love this. Our Bible says that Jesus authored faith, but he also finished faith. He's the finisher of our faith. Now, listen to me, church, and we're done. Wheels wheels are on the runway. There's a big difference between starting something and finishing something. I don't even know how this is possible. The Lord's graciously allowed me to produce eight books. Years and years ago, I had such a desire. I wanted to write. I wanted to write. And I started, I started the process, but then I lost my motivation and I lost my momentum and I figured out something really fast that starting something is one thing, but finishing something is quite the other. Amen. And our Bible tells us that Jesus didn't just start out faithful, but he finished faithful. In fact, the Bible tells us in Isaiah 50, verse number seven, Jesus said, therefore have I set my face like a flint and I know that I shall not be ashamed. You know what that means? Jesus said, my face was like a flint to the cross. You know what that means, you bow hunters? You know what the idea, when he says, my face was like a flint, it is, it is, it is the time after the arrow has left the string. You pull that thing back, you let it go. There's no bringing it back. There's no saying, it's gone. And Jesus said, I set my face like a flint I was determined I was going to run the race. I was determined I was not just going to author faith. I was not going to be just the author of moral conviction. Are y'all following me? I'm not going to be just the author of moral conviction, but I'm going to be the finisher of moral conviction. You know what God was saying? You know what Jesus was saying? Jesus was saying this. I want to serve as the ultimate example of faith, of moral conviction, of going on, even when the times are tough and the times are difficult. Did you know today would be a great day to get your eyes off the circumstances, to get your eyes off the surroundings and the problems and the burdens and look to Jesus. Consider him. Hey, Calvary, he is the finisher of our faith. And as the choir sang this morning, he is coming to rule and reign. Any history buffs in here? Well, I love this picture. Make sure I get this right. This is September the 2nd, 1945. It's a place called Tokyo Bay on the USS Missouri. The fellow that you see at the desk is General Douglas MacArthur. World War II is ended the Japanese are signing their surrender. That's what this picture is. The Japanese are coming to the table. They are signing the surrender. If you can see these two gentlemen that are right behind General MacArthur, the one on the far side is Arthur Percival, British Lieutenant General over the Allied forces. This other one that you see directly behind General MacArthur is, is Lieutenant General Jonathan Wainwright. The reason I wanted you to see the picture is because if you'll notice the picture, and I know it may be hard to see, but if you'll notice the picture of General Wainwright, he's almost bones. Y'all see that? You see how skinny he is? 
I mean, he, there's hardly nothing there. Let me tell you why. Because right before this, Jonathan Wainwright had been, been kept in a Japanese prisoner of war camp. He can tell you all about that, that baton march there. He's been in a prison of war camp for four years. He's been treated brutally with horrible abuse. He's been basically, he's been almost starved to death. They would just, every day, they would toss him what they called starvation rations. They, they gave him barely, barely enough to keep them alive. And, and a lot of them didn't stay alive. But they said that General Wainwright had got to the place in this POW camp where he quit eating altogether. Even the starvation rations that they would throw into the sale, he, he refused them. He wouldn't accept any of them. And he began to literally, the story goes in his autobiography, the story goes that he had, he had curled up in his cell. He had curled up in a fetal position and he was dying. And somehow, a spy got into the prison. And it came by General Wainwright's sail and it whispered, Wainwright, MacArthur's coming. Three weeks. MacArthur's coming. Three weeks. Wainwright, the Americans are coming. Three weeks, the Americans are coming. Stay alive. Stay alive. You know what they said? Jonathan Wainwright, when he heard those words, got up. He began to eat those starvation rations. He began to receive strength. Although they did not listen to him, they said he began to bark out commands from his cell to the Japanese and said, get my uniform ready. Get my uniform pressed. Get it ready. And of course, they didn't listen to him. But he, you know what, he, 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 he became revitalized and revived and he began to eat and he began to walk around his cell and try to exercise and, and try to gain some strength. Why? I'll tell you why. Because he got the news that hope was on the way, that, that the general was coming. Hey, Calvary, I got some good news. Don't you get discouraged. Don't you quit. Don't you fall out by the wayside because the general Jesus is on the way. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. Listen, if you fall out now if you miss out now you're going to miss an incredible blessing oh listen to me get your eyes off the problems get your eyes off the valleys get your eyes off people get your eyes off a preacher get your eyes off a relative and put your eyes on Jesus today and that will encourage you to keep on running the race let's bow our heads this morning every head bowed every eye closed Oh, listen to me, church. I wonder, with heads bowed and eyes closed, how many are here today and you would say, preacher, if I died today, I do know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I know that I'm saved. I know that I'm going to heaven when I die. Pastor, I know it. I can take you back to the time and the place when I was born again. I know I'm a Christian. Without anybody looking, if you can raise your hand this morning and say, Preacher, that's me. Would you slip your hand up right now and say, Pastor, I know I'm saved. Hallelujah. You can lower your hands. 
real quickly today. I wonder if there may be one here anywhere and you're getting ready to be really, really honest. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not gonna come back and try to drag you down an aisle. I've never done that. I'm not gonna start today. But I wonder if there may be one here today would say, Pastor, preacher, if I died today, I'm gonna be honest, I'm not 100% sure that I would go. And I care enough to slip up my hand and let you pray for me without anybody looking, without anybody looking at all. If that's you right now, you say, preacher, I really don't know. I want to go, pastor. I want to go to heaven, but I'm just not sure. I'm not sure. Would you remember me in prayer? You'd slip your hand up right now. All over the house. Come on. Come on. Raise it high so I can see it. God bless you. Thank you. Who else? Come on. Right now. Preacher, if I died, I'm not sure that I would go. I want to go. But I'm just not assured of it. Would you pray for me? You'd slip your hand up right now. Is there another anywhere? Can I pray with you? Can I pray with you today? I wonder how many Christians are here today. And maybe the devil has come and the enemy's got you discouraged. You thought, man, I'm just... I'm going to quit. I can't do anything for the Lord anyway. God can't use me. I'm washed up. I've made such a mess. I don't think God could ever use me, preacher. Oh, listen. He is the ultimate motivation. He's the ultimate in moral conviction. Somebody right now, you'd say, Pastor, the enemy really, really, really got me discouraged. Would you pray for me today? You'd slip your hand up right now. Slip your hand up. Yep, yep, yep. Amen, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Amen, yes. Amen. Oh, listen to me, child of God. Don't you quit. Don't you quit. Don't you let the enemy knock you out. I'm going to ask our personal workers to go ahead and come on at this time. Find your place in the front. While they're coming, in just a moment, we're going to stand. It could be there's somebody here today that needs to rededicate their life to Jesus. Pastor, I am saved, but I sure need to rededicate my life to Christ. Why don't you come? Why don't you come? Let's all stand this morning, if you would, please. Father, thank you for this time we've had together today. God, I want to pray, first of all, for those that raise their hands about salvation. Lord, I pray that right now you're showing them, please, Lord, how much you love them. God, that you loved them so much that you were willing to give your only son, Jesus Christ, to come and die. Lord, that's how much you love them. And God, I pray in just a moment, in just a moment, if maybe even now, Lord, I, I, I pray they're slipping out. I pray they'll come. Give them the boldness and the courage to come. And then, Lord, those that re need to rededicate their life to Jesus or maybe there's someone here today that's discouraged. 
They just need someone to pray for them or pray with them. I pray they'll come today. Lord, have thy way in this invitation. Speak to hearts, please. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed.